Welcome to our weekly classified Grayman Intelligence audio brief. Over the next few minutes, Wesley from Super SE is going to share with you the most important survival intelligence stories that have occurred over the past week from the Grayman briefing. This timely and concise reporting will help you to stay sharp and be well ahead of the knowledge curve so that you can be better prepared for what's coming down the road. All right, Wes, take it away. All right, thanks, David. So we'll get right into the brief. From the Gray Man Briefing, this is a weekly recap of news and developments for your situational awareness, as always, with the bottom line up front. In this week's briefing, we'll cover the events and developments from February 8th through February 15th. Let's get started with national security. So over in North Dakota, the Grand Fork City Council just unanimously voted to block construction of that corn mill. And if if you recall that the corn mill, this is the one that's linked to the Chinese Communist Party. It's the one that they say is going to be used to spy on nearby military assets. Uh, So basically the the council, they concurred that uh, it presented a significant threat to national security both in the near and long term. And moving into the national security aspect of UAPs and balloons, we, we saw a cyber attack and we saw a lot of closed airspace events which suggest there are ongoing threats to the U.S. or maybe further vulnerabilities with our ability to actually identify and stop such threats. Or there's also the potential of this just being a distraction or a show of force, like a political uh, stunt to kind of save face for the administration's reaction to the first uh, Chinese surveillance balloon that was shot down uh, outside of Myrtle Beach. Uh, So, you know, I'm going to leave it to you guys to decide. Uh, Basically, it looks like there's been four of these objects shot down and the government is saying they don't really know what the last three were, but they were not threats and they were not from China. But, you know, a lot of people are asking, like, how do you know what they are and how do you know what they aren't at the same time? Like, you you know they are not from China and you know they are, are not a threat, like, where something's not being told here, but as far as what's being told, which is what we'll report on, uh, supposedly these three objects did not have the FF, the FAA transponders, so that in itself, you know, kind of makes them okay to shoot down because they could be a threat to the civilian airspace. And the government hasn't found any of the debris from those last three that were shot down. Um, you know, over at Lake Huron, up in the Yukon, and near Alaska. Uh, nothing's been found on them. So yeah, it, it could all be a distraction. A lot of people are saying it's a distraction from the train derailment event we'll talk about later. Um, maybe a distraction of something that was supposed to happen this week. You know, whatever major news story happened or could happen. Uh, sometimes large events like this that well, I wouldn't say large events, but an event like this could be used to take away media coverage from something else. So like I said, I'm not getting into all the details. I've got like a dozen updates here for the UAP and balloon things. Um, 
but we'll leave that if you want if you want to read more into the details go to graymanbriefing.com and you can check into that now since i did mention the train derailment let's let's get into that let's let's find out what happened there so assuming you have no idea what i'm talking about back on february 3rd a train derailed in east palestine ohio so this led to a weeks-long contained fire and chemical release. The National Transportation Safety Board reported that 50 cars derailed with 20 containing hazardous materials. Fire departments from everywhere, I'm talking about from the state, but also from West Virginia and Pennsylvania, uh, they responded to assist. The governor later activated the National Guard. A one-mile evacuation zone was declared, like you had to evacuate and some of these substances, the one you're hearing most about is the vinyl chloride, but there's all sort of other very toxic and dangerous corrosive chemicals that were in there. And it seems like every couple of days they find out there was another chemical that wasn't originally known, which is weird in itself because all this stuff is on the, the manifest, it logs, should have been known immediately. Anyway. These chemicals, they're known to cause liver, brain, lung cancer, lymphoma, leukemia, dizziness, nausea, vomiting, you name it. It, 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 it causes it all. And it was determined the best way to uh, ensure the safety of the, the community was to do a controlled detonation of these chemicals rather than, you know, it spontaneously blow up when they're not ready and prepared for it. So they've been... They've been burning it off into the air. There's like this massive black cloud that just goes up into the sky and the sky is black and it's traveling for tens of 20 or 30 miles out. The first night they started that controlled burn, we got a report the next morning that uh, the small chicken farm, all the chickens on the farm were dead. Now there's reports of uh, fish going belly up, floating down the, the rivers and streams there in the area. Chemicals released from the train derailment have entered multiple bodies of water. This is your local areas like the Sulphur Run, Bull Creek, North and Little Beaver Creek, but also the Ohio River. And if you look at uh, the tributaries and other places that the water is going to lead to that's, that's already been exposed to these chemicals, it could, it could impact 25 million people, uh, including those in Ohio, of course, Kentucky, Indiana, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. It's so bad, they, the police department, and I believe it was called the Potable Well Task Force, uh, they've dispatched door-to-door delivering water and warning people not to drink water from their taps. And of course, we're, we're getting a lot of reports from ranchers and farmers in the area that are uh, explaining their concerns and showing what they're seeing with their animals already. Um, this is as far out as 35 miles we've seen reports about this. So it, this is a major incident and I don't think I saw it on mainstream media until like Valentine's Day. It, this this just now started getting picked up by the by the media other than just you know covering it as a blip or a, a passing headline. And moving forward into our legal and crime briefing. So court documents containing 167 names of individuals related to Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell are set to be released. So the names, they weren't previously identified anywhere. They were like listed as Johns and Jane Doe's. 
Uh, some of these are accused of serious wrongdoings. They're alleged perpetrators. They're known associates, employees. They're also victims. Um, this list that's going to be coming out. And right now we don't know exactly when, but it said the coming months. So this is like part of that major list we want to see of who's all behind and who's all connected to, you know, the Epstein Island. Um, everyone, as far as I, I could tell of that 167, they all agreed to have their names released. So at first you're like, oh, well, they agreed. So these aren't the ones, these aren't the names we want. But uh, everyone that's looked into this said, even if they said they disagree with having their names released, this was going to get released. So they would be like the one or two that, you know, opposed it, which would bring even more attention to them. So it seems like it seems like this this could be a list we want to see of who's connected. But I guess we'll wait for the coming months. And we're continuing coverage there with the event that happened in Atlanta where police went in to try to clear out what the activists call Cop City, but the area that's actually being constructed as a public safety uh, training center. So if you recall, uh, January 18th, I believe it was, yeah, January 18th, police entered and they ended up being shot at by an activist. They returned fire, killed the activist. Well, now body cam footage has come out and uh, let's see, the body cams were actually on the Atlanta police officers. So uh, some of the other units that were there did not have body cam footage. So in one of the videos, you could hear a, an Atlanta officer asking or questioning uh, what actually occurred. One of the officers says, quote, they shoot their own man. And this, this statement has led activists to believe that the officer who was shot at was actually shot at by another police officer and that they killed this activist for no reason. Uh, well, the GBI, the GBI is the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, they referred outlets that are covering this kind of spin on the story, the suggestion of friendly fire. Um, they told him to check the inclusion of remarks in the video and it said that Quote, at least one statement exists where an officer speculates that the trooper was shot by another officer in crossfire. Speculation is not evidence. Our investigation does not support that statement. And yeah, we, we've looked at the video and we've looked at what we've seen around it. And other than the statements of that one officer, uh, we don't see anything that supports that theory that, that the officer shot another officer and there was never a threat from the activist. But we're still waiting to see how the militants uh, that are supporting this cause, how they're going to take this recent news and if it'll cause any additional rioting in the Atlanta area. So let's move into government oversight, overreach, infrastructure and supply, because it's all going to try to kind of transition into each other. Uh, first up, Teachers for Choice, along with an affidavit and some court filings, They've just revealed that the New York City Department of Education, they not only were they firing unvaccinated teachers and employees, they were adding a problem code to their personnel files and they were submitting their fingerprints to the New York Criminal Justice Services and the FBI. Uh, the plaintiff in this recent suit claims that the city, quote, violated their right to freely exercise their faith by forcing them to choose between maintaining a public employment or taking the COVID-19 vaccine, end quote. So this comes after 
back in September 2022, there was a deadline. All teachers had to be vaccinated. By that time, almost 2,000 had already been fired for failing to comply. And uh, now we've got this recent affidavit that kind of brought to light the submission of fingerprints to the FBI simply because the teachers chose not to be vaccinated. Um, moving over, the House Judiciary Committee has issued subpoenas to the FBI Director and the Attorney General, um, ordering them to provide, quote, all documents and communications referring or related to the DOJ's 2021 memo. And this is the memo that addressed misguided responses to uh, parents. Um, and the violent threats to teachers. So the info is due on March 1st of this year and it's part of an investigation to the misuse of federal and criminal counterterrorism resources deployed against parents who voiced their opinions at school meetings opposed to mandates, vaccine mandates that is, um, as well as masks and CRT and LGBT indoctrination in public schools. Okay, let's talk about some regulations of the agricultural and energy sector. So this one's a little complex and in-depth, so we'll kind of touch the surface here for you. The Fish and Wildlife Service and the Biden administration, they've moved to classify a chicken species as endangered. So this is gonna restrict, restrict things such as livestock grazing, plowing, agricultural activity, and also affect uh, energy in the area. Um, so the Wildlife Service, they instituted a regulation protecting the lesser prairie chicken. This is a species of chicken, lesser prairie. And it leverages the Endangered Species Act. One of the major issues we see with this is if, if these farmers, if they haven't been using a certain piece of land for the last five years for agricultural purposes, they're no longer going to be allowed to use that land if it's where lesser prairie chickens live. And this is going to impact a lot of things. The governor of Texas called the rule a, quote, targeted attempt to implement an unlawful, an unlawful top-down federal approach aimed at advancing radical environmentalist agendas. Let's jump down to the rest of our supply chain brief. Let's talk about fertilizer and food disruptions. So this one is a very dry, very boring briefing, but very important. Um, we're, we're talking about phosphorus, phosphorus-based fertilizers, NPKs. Um, they're, they're seeing their third major price hike in the last 50 years and their highest since 2008. And this is really due to an array of different reasons. The main issue here is the supply of phosphorus is becoming dwindled. Um, there's only a couple of different places where we're getting it from, a couple of different mines. Um, and really, unless something is done that I don't see how it's going to be accomplished like feasibly, we may completely have to change the way all crops and all farms are managed. And by this I mean fertilizer. We're going to have to shift back to just the way we used to fertilize with actual dung or fecal matter from animals. That may be the solution, but I'm not going to get too far into it here on the weekly briefing on the podcast. But of course you can read more into it on our website if you're a subscriber. And a couple of other things here considering infrastructure. So back on February 11th, the governor of Nevada declared a state of emergency due to a gasoline-diesel pipeline leak. Um, so I'm not going to get much into this because turns out it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, 
Kinder Morgan Pipeline, the one who first indicated the disruption, they advised that the issue's already been resolved and supply is expected to continue without interruption. But this is one of those things that it could have been something a little bit more major. Um, luckily, wasn't that big of an issue. So let's talk a little bit more about this avian flu. In Peru, the H5N1 bird flu, it's continuing its crossover into other species. In recent weeks, we saw 585 sea lions, uh, dolphins, even a lion, an actual lion. 55,000 birds, this included things like pelicans and penguins, they've all died from the virus. So these uh, crossover infections, we're seeing them in Bolivia, Cuba, Colombia, Costa Rica, Ecuador, Honduras, uh, Panama, the UK, Chile, the US, Venezuela. We're seeing them everywhere. They're, it's moving from birds to mammals. So first, this is a big deal because it's already led to the culling of 58 million commercial birds here in the US. And we know of uh, about 6,000 wild birds that it's affected or killed. But I mean, like, really, it, it could be killing billions of, of wild birds. There's, it's just, unless you're finding the bird and testing it, you're not going to know. We're, we know the number 58 million killed because, you know, we're having to go out and actually kill the chickens in farms. But it could be impacting a lot more birds and a lot more animals. Um, so far, it's crossed over in 47 different states uh, with new outbreaks found in California, Maine, and Wyoming this month. The USDA is formulating a decision to proceed with the vaccination of chickens to reduce this transmission. So the takeaway here is this is going to be on an accelerated timetable. They want to get these vaccinations in the chickens as soon as possible. And we're going to have things like, number one, these vaccinated chickens will not be permitted for exports. So we're not going to be able to sell our chickens overseas. And we're going to have to wait and see what the adverse effects are will be on the chicken population. And finally, one last piece of information here for you concerning national security. The Norwegian Intelligence Service, they just released a report. It's actually one they release annually. It noted that they've discovered Russian vessels, this is submarines and warships, deployed or dispatched with nuclear weapons to the Baltic Sea for the first time since the end of the Cold War. So the thing here they're noting is they're Russian warships, in the Baltic Sea for the first time in 30 years armed with tactical nuclear weapons. The report further said that the fleet boat boasts uh, underwater capabilities, anti-satellite weapons, and cyber tools that all threaten Norway and NATO. It assessed that while the Russian nuclear doctrine hasn't changed, the movement of these nuclear armed ships pose a quote, serious threat in several operational scenarios in which NATO countries may be involved. And this is talking about uh, the ongoing conflict there in Ukraine. That's it. That's this week's briefing. This is Wes from Super SE kind of reading out and summarizing what happened in the Gray Man Briefing Classified this week. You can check it out at www.graymanbriefing.com. That's Grayman with an A. I'm out. You guys take care. Be safe. So before we head out of here, let us know what you think of these briefs by emailing us at help at ultimatesurvivaltips.com or you can contact us through our website and the home base for this podcast, ultimatesurvivaltips.com. If you'd like to be even further ahead of the preparedness curve and get daily briefs from Wes delivered privately to you, Wes is giving Survival Show podcast subscribers $1 off the normal monthly subscription cost of $5. 
So for only $4 a month, you can get daily intelligence briefings from Wes when you go over to graymanbriefing.com and enter code GBCUST at checkout. All right, that's about it. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp. Stay sharp.